Jesse gets bored easily doing announcements. <laughs> Very cool. So um, with regard to the newcomers, you may have already been to one of our newcomers' uh, lunches. Come again, just so you can get to know us a little bit. Uh, sometimes I wish we could do it almost every week uh, like this, but uh, from time to time we do this. We just have a time where we can just get to know you by face, get your name, kind of uh, tell you about a little bit more on a deeper way what we're doing, meet some of the pastors and the leaders, and um, just really love for you to come. We've got this nice tent out there, and uh, by the way, someday that tent will be disappearing, so we're using it mightily right now, but uh, but it'll be, wait, wait till you see what comes next. It's going to be great. You're going to really like it, so by God's grace, so it's still uh, in the architectural approval stages, and so we're working on all of that right now, and um, we're doing good, though. We're making great headway, so we're pretty excited about that. So, Anyway, uh, so uh, I would just like to, uh, hopefully everybody has an outline. It should say, why church? <laughs> good question. Why church? You know, a lot of people are asking that question. I think they've been asking it for quite some time, actually. Why church? You know, and there's all kinds of different forms and ways you can uh, know the Lord and, and, and uh meet and gather and stuff, but uh, I'll tell you one thing I am convinced of. After pastoring for many, many years, I won't tell you how many yet, but anyway, it's a long time, uh, I'm just so amazed, uh, more amazed now than ever, about how the Lord provides for people through the body. So I just want to say this fairly simply. You're insane if you are not connected to a local church firmly, completely, Absolutely. Uh, did you catch that word, body of Christ? So as you're going to see as I go through this, and I just know this from all my practical experience, just of watching this over and over and over again. No matter if you need a new tiddlywink set over here, or your child needs something over there, or you need a job over here, or you need a healing over here, I've seen the delivery system for every time, the strangest things. God using weak people with flesh on, with the Spirit on them to provide that need. Information you need, a couch that you need, (laughs) whatever. And the thing is, our particular community is getting better and better at this all through the years. I'm just so happy just to see the practical ability to provide uh, just spontaneously through sources we didn't know that we had, people that we didn't know did this or that, to the warehouse, which I just had a little testimony. Someone's thanking me today because somebody had their house burned down. And, and we've done this several times and basically fill our house with furniture from the warehouse, right? And we do that all the time, just stuff like that continually, one thing after another. But the thing is, the way that all happens is the spirit resting on people does that. God did just have a, a couch materialize out of the like atmosphere, right? Somebody had it, donated or somebody had an extra something or other, a car, whatever it is, and they gave it, right? But it's far more profound than that because there's just a few years here, but what about those that gave you the knowledge of Jesus and helped you get saved? How are you going to thank them, my, my? And other deep things, things that only... God could do through people. He does it through people. That's why we're called the body of Christ. So he who isolates himself, as a scripture I'll get to it, quarrels against all sound wisdom. Coming to church, being a part of God's people, is not a duty, it's a privilege. It is actually a great honor, not only just honor, but it's a great possibility for your life. 
I've just seen it too many times in too many ways, too many spaces. Some of the craziest things I never would have imagined. Provision, provision, provision. And I want to go through scripturally why this is and help us understand. I, knew, I know a number of us are re-upping. We're trying to reconfigure our life, trying to figure our life out again. COVID's disrupted a lot. I think a lot of us learned a lot about ourselves just being alone for a while, <laughs> apart from the body of Christ. So in that, actually, I believe believers have benefited so greatly from this time. God causes all things to work together for who? For those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So we've just gotten better out of this. We realize how important it is to have brothers and sisters. We realize how important it is for our religious freedom. We started bringing some things to the top of the list that should have been brought to the top of the list a long time ago. It shook us up. But when we get disciplined, when we experience discipline, when we get pruned, we bear more fruit. Right? The world, all it does is just get worse. But we bear more fruit. And that's a good word even for anyone here that's going through a hard time and in a pruning time. Listen, there's fruit on the other side. We just get better. We don't get worse, right? God causes all things to work together for our good. And some of those things are pretty nasty. And the thing that's been around us as a church and, and you know, in, in the world really has been fairly nasty. It's been difficult in lots of uh, places. But you know what's going to happen in all of this? What's going to happen is the world's going to get worse and we're going to get better. And I, what I mean by better, I don't mean more holy only. But that's going to happen. I don't mean more connected. That's going to happen. I don't mean more filled with the Spirit. I, only mean, I don't only mean that. I mean we're going to get better in every way. Because all through history, if you look through the history of us, God has creatively given believers ways to solve problems. We are problem solvers by nature. We understand truth, but we also have a creative aspect in us that creates. We're creative. We do new stuff. So the business owners, the people that are pioneering in education, people that are pioneering in every area of life are the believers. We will get on the top. God will make us the head and not the tail. So... Uh, that's just inevitable. And it, I, as I watch it happen and unfold, it's glorious because I already see it happening. I already see it happen. There's been a lot of sorrow. There's been a lot of trouble. There's been a lot of pain. We've had to bury a few people. We know all of that. But just let me tell you something. I see a really good thing happening. I see uh, uh, the body of Christ cleaned up, pruned up a little bit, and ready for action more now than ever before. So don't let anybody dissuade you. Don't anybody put a, a nasty face on this uh, for us. It's been a very bad time for all of us and the world included. But I'm telling you, for us, the way forward is just so great. And one of the reasons why is because Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ Church is still on the earth. It's still on the earth. And we bear his name. And he works through us, right? So I was just thinking about this. Why church in a... In a and I'm going to kind of go into some things where, you know, how God uses us to meet each other's needs. And I, just before I uh, got here, I was listening on the radio, and I just heard this little story. And it was just touched me so deep. It was about a, a guy that was, uh, maybe you've heard this already, uh, but uh, it was on Christian radio. I can't remember which station. But anyway, uh, just kind of a random thing for me. But he was giving his testimony how, and how he had been sick, deathly ill as a little boy and was in the hospital. And it was so bad that really he could only recognize two voices. Uh, one was the mother, his mother and the other one was his dad, you know. And they were sustaining him. They were keeping him alive just by loving and hugging on him and so on and so forth. And then one day a voice uh, was by the bedside and it was a voice he, he, he recognized. But he couldn't quite pinpoint it. But it was, 
this man named Alex, who was the announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he was loved baseball. And so he'd heard this guy's voice. If you ever follow baseball, you know, Vin, remember, what's his name for the Dodgers? How could I forget that name, huh? Vin Scully. So I got the first name right anyway. But he has a distinctive sound, right? There's, you listen to him for 30 or 40 years, there's a distinctive sound. As soon as you hear that voice, you know it. Well, as soon as he heard the voice, he recognized it. He, then, he, then, he, then he put it together. Even as a child, he knew that this was this main announcer. And, the, and as he's laying there in bed, this other voice, this voice that came to him, you know, beside his bed, told him to fight and keep on fighting. Don't give up, kid. That's what he said. Don't give up, kid. Because when you're done and you get the victory of this, we're going to bring you to St. Louis Stadium. We're going to bring you to Cardinal Stadium. We're going to have a celebration. So when he heard that, something inside of him, he said, just built him up on the inside, encouraged him, right? And that's just kind of what this is about. This church, this body of Christ, building each other up. And that's so, one of the most powerful things we could ever do is with our tongue, right? The way we speak to one another, wow. And when we worship... God doesn't use angels to entertain us up here. It's their real live people, you know. And it makes it even better, doesn't it? And the angels come and help them. I just think the whole thing is wonderful. So the Spirit of God causes us to vote ourselves to fellowship. Now you look down on your outline. Hopefully everybody has an outline. If you don't have one, you could wave your hand. Maybe an usher could give it to you. But anyway, uh, it's the word koinonia. Many of us are familiar with that word. And as we look at the early church and we see the way it started uh, in the first outpouring of the Spirit, the first thing when the church blasts into being. Look what happens. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's that koinonia. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the Spirit of God causes us to devote ourselves to koinonia. So we see it in the very, very first church. What's good enough for the first church is good enough for us, right? We see this radical commitment, a sharing of friendship with believers. Koinonia is, has some key words to describe it. So you could, if we're going to define that word koinonia from the Greek, it has to do with partnership, it has to do with association, it has to do with practical sharing, and it has to do with friendship. I like the word friendship the best. But really, partnership, association, it's this relational word. It's the fellowship. It's the belonging, right? And there's two structures that we see in the church for koinonia, for partnership. And it's very, really simple, actually. Two main structures. There's large gatherings. So we see in the beginning of the church, they would meet in the temple courts. So they met temp in the temple courts, but also they met from house to house. So there's large gatherings and small gatherings, publicly and from house to house. Jesus did that. Remember that? Jesus would do that. He would be in homes. He had had all kinds of settings. He had huge settings where he did his ministry, and he did smaller settings. He did some of his best stuff in homes. He did some of his best stuff out in the field with thousands of people, right? I call this 2020 vision. It's after Acts 2020. I really like that, and I stole that from somebody else, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> I heard him talk about it one time, a long time ago. Powerful thing. He was talking about our vision should be 2020 vision. And he gave this scripture. You know that I have not hesitated to preach, as Paul 
uh, speaking, or wait, who is this speaking? Yeah, Paul. You have not, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house, right? Publicly and in smaller settings, house to house. Houses are good. Any kind of smaller setting is great. The idea is there's a larger gathering, and then there are smaller gatherings, and they each accomplish different things because that's how we devote ourselves to koinonia, to fellowship, to gathering, right? And I think God's very creative on this because just keep the concept smaller gatherings. I mean, smaller gatherings can meet anywhere. In a business, they can meet a group of five uh, guys or gals praying together in a room, you know. They can meet anywhere. Sometimes we get um, like, like we have to have the exact precise formula. Just think of this, small, big, <laughs> Small, big. Good things happen in small gatherings and good things happen in big gatherings. But it's important that you as a believer are a part of both somehow, some way. Because you need more personal contact. It's just really, really important. It's been, we've been having a great amount of uh, fun and koinonia with my newcomers class, my new believers. It's not even new believers, just newcomers, people that are newer to our church. And, and so on Wednesday nights, we have three or four classes that meet uh, every Wednesday night. And so one of them is a class that I meet here with uh, some new people that are newer to our church, and often they're newer to the things of the Spirit. That's why we ca- I call that class Life in the Spirit. So it's just so amazing. So we had like 15 of them the other day, and, um, and it was just amazing. So every point as I described the New Testament and the early church and everything, almost none of them had received their prayer language. And when we went around and prayed for every one of them, uh, to my just wonderful, great amazement and surprise, it happens all the time, every one of them received their prayer language. Boom, 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 boom. It was amazing. And I was even amazed. I was just like, I've done this for years, but it was just so awesome. And all they needed was a little bit of instruction, just show them from the Bible where it was, and then they just need someone to lay hands on them, say, receive the Holy Spirit. Boom. And so I've been doing that the entire time, all these 20 years or how long it's been that we've been to church. I lost track. <laughs> how long have I been? <laughs> Somebody have to explain that. Like, anyway, somewhere in there. But all the years that we've had this church, I've done that class. And I've done three times a year. And it's always the same. And so what I do that for is so that they can begin to have some koinonia, some fellowship. But in the koinonia, I have found the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God always comes. So that smaller gathering where we can just talk answer questions back and forth. And then amazingly, well, I just jump them into uh, prophesying. So then they start prophesying. So, okay, you sit over here. Okay, who's got a word for them? And I just tell them a little bit of instruction. Why would I have to tell them a lot of instruction? It's not dependent on me anyway. I just tell them, listen, the Spirit does this. He'll give you a, I'll just give, he'll give you a vision. He'll give you some kind of idea. He'll give you a thought, whatever. Just try it and see what happens. Oh, man, it's amazing. These are supposedly the new people. And they just get words and information, and God's given them all, all of this stuff because it's the same thing. This fellowship is where the action is. It's, it's, it got Christ in us, the hope of glory, but not just in us enjoying it, but out of us, right? So that's why church, because we are supernatural by nature because of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. So when you don't fellowship, when you don't connect with other people, you miss that anointing. You miss that. You miss this, like even the anointing that we create when we worship together, but all the other individual stuff, the, the things that can happen spontaneously. I think in a church like ours, where we believe in prophetic things and supernatural things, it's kind of doubly so because you never know what, who you're going to get ambushed by, you know, what's gonna, what could happen, you know. Anything could happen. 
you know, uh, we just, you know, we just try to listen to what the Spirit tells us to do, and then, then we just go, go do it, and it causes amazing things. So if you look at Roman numeral two, God uses fellowship with other, be- other believers to meet many of our deepest needs. And of course, our most important need is salvation. I don't know of many people that got saved because a voice out of the wilderness spoke to them out of a tree or a rock or a vision. There's a few people maybe, but most of us, because we met other people and they just shared the gospel with us, they just shared their life with us, they just gave us some information that we uh, desperately needed and we, we, we got that information, the most important thing that happened in our life. If the most important thing of your life happens through an... I mean... Think about your whole life, your eternity, your family line. Everything happens because someone shared the gospel. Someone talked to you. Someone helped you along in the faith. Then how much easier is all the other things? That's the big deal. But we sometimes go, okay, I got that taken care of. I'm okay now. No, you're not. You've got all kinds of other things that need to add. You know, does anybody here have a question they'd like to know? Anybody have a little uh, a thought? You know, gee, I wish God would just talk to me about this, and if He would just tell me clearly what I'm supposed to do, I would do it. How many in this room are in that place right now? Okay, I'd say about two-thirds of you raised your hand. The others of you are just not with me. But anyway, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm just trying to draw you in. But isn't it amazing? Could I just tell you? Supernatural things happen through ordinary people. Supernatural things happen through ordinary people. You're seeking God, seeking His face. God, please give me an answer. Please give me an answer. You know? And then somebody just comes up and says, Hey, can I pray for you a minute? And they just give you the answer. Or they say, Hey, have you, have you thought about this? I mean, I've had so many crazy things of, 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 of um, provision. Someone said, Have you considered... <laughs> They weren't trying to be, thus says God. They just said, have you thought about, or how about this one? I've got a friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. How many times have you had that happen? I've got a friend who, and it makes all the difference in the world. I've got a friend, right? See? But we don't give that enough value. And, and, and we hurt ourselves because of it. Uh, John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, he's resurrected now. I am sending you. I mean, that whole thing is just crazy. The resurrected Son of God, and you would think you'd just send the angels out, get rid of the bad guys, you know, da 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 No, he sends you and I, the same Peter that failed him, denied his name, and all the other ones that fell asleep or deserted him. Okay, it's time for you guys to go out. Whoa, does that feel opposite or what? Does that feel like that? Does something not right about that? In our way of thinking, but not in God's way of thinking. For him, it's all glorious. And then it says here, With that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Whoa! I don't even know exactly how to even do that passage. But anyway, receive the Holy Spirit. What he means is you're responsible. When you go out and preach the gospel, their sins will be forgiven. That's about as close as I can get to it, right? They're forgiven. If they receive Christ at your word, through you, through the instigation of the Holy Spirit. They're saved. They're in. They're in. Right? So God gives us glory to people. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he just turns it. If you forgive me, right? I'm sending you as the Father sent me. What an incredible phrase. What an incredible phrase. You look at it for a while and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, it's the same today. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You are my representatives. You are to be empowered. You have the words. You're the one that's going to do the work. 
And Jesus did that on purpose. He, let out, he was here a few years, and then he's gone. And for a moment there, it seemed like all was lost, and then, wow, he appears again. And then he keeps appearing. And finally, Pentecost comes. The Spirit descends, and the church explodes. God's used our, God uses our fellowship with other believers to meet many of our deepest needs. Salvation is, of course, one of the most important, right? God entrusts to us, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20, the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that amazing? He entrusts it to us, the ministry of reconciliation. So why does God minister through committed relationships in the local church? Why, why does he minister through us? Well, first thing is, that family and friendship are natural providers. They're the natural providers. Because actually, it's just something to do with proximity. But there's some amazing words. Because, you know, um, those family and friends, people that we meet along the way, people that we meet at work, they're in our sphere. They're, they're around us, right? So it just makes a lot of sense. And so we look at Proverbs chapter 27, verse 10. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. I was thinking about that. A lot of us, you know, I've had this my whole life. My relatives have been a long way away, right? And uh, so maybe many of your families were like that. For many years, my, my relatives were just, you know, not here, right? So we still had our little nuclear family. But it's very interesting. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And I think we've even discovered during this COVID crisis, sometimes we've been isolated and set apart, you know, and rel people we don't even know are people that are friends. People become friends and help us with things. But it's a, a spiritual principle. So I'm, I'm saying that friendship and family, the, let me say the near people, the ones that are close to us, are natural providers of the grace of God. And God uses them all the time. I mean, that's how many of us get saved. We have a friend at work, for example, somebody that we met, a new job that we had, and he kept witnessing and witnessing to us. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I like that. So that's God's plan. That's scripture right there. A friend loves at a time, all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So those that are close to us, a brother, natural brother, or people that are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, look at that. They're, they are born for a time of adversity. Both you receiving it and you giving it. That's the way the kingdom is built. You're not just anybody. You're a person that was born for adversity. Somebody else's adversity or your adversity, there's going to be trouble. You know, as sparks fly upward, you know, there's trouble, right? That's what the scripture says. But still, the solution to it is people nearby. God uses people nearby. Now, he can intervene directly. I'm not just restricting that. But it's very, very powerful, right? This whole understanding. Jesus and his spirit dwell where Christians gather. And think about this for just a moment. If you just stop and think about this, and I've meditated on this a lot because in the place, position I've been, just watching how God's, I mean, I just made a whole lifetime of watching how God brings provision to people. Just watching it. And through other human beings, and even the most unlikely of people, and the unlikely of people who would pray for you, the unlikely, he brings it. So the issue then is just being connected, just staying near people who can pray for you. Just And if the church believes and has a paradigm for uh, supernatural things, it's even better. 
right? Because they, they will pray the moon for you. They, they, they believe God for everything, right? Uh, everything. Nothing's left out. But look at this. Here's how amazing this is. Matthew 18, 18 to 20. Listen to this. Truly I tell you, that's human beings, people he was speaking to, listen to this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that two of you on earth agree, harmonize, about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's one of the most revolutionary passages in the whole Bible. And with it, this thing called binding and loosing, or what we call praying, agreeing prayer. How powerful are two or three people agree sincerely about something to happen? How powerful we are. My goodness. God uses fellowship with other believers, and especially prayer fellowship, to move mountains. I didn't say it. If I had said it, don't listen. Jesus Christ said it. He put it in the formula. He put it in the Christian formula. He put it right there. The body uh, metaphor is so functional. And I I love this body. So I'm just going to move to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, something that we've read a lot. But it gets a little bit more specific and just shares with us also how God works. And I'm giving most of you a... You know, just a reminder of all of these things. But some of us may be newer and not understand. I tell you, in this time of isolation, one of the most grievous things for me was that when we got caught off, we, we have understood this for a long time, but the greatest danger of this disease, which the enemy knows full well, is he tried to get us isolated from one another. Amen. That's right. Now, Zoom helped a little bit. <laughs> Still is helping, actually. really is. And uh, in some quarters, I think it works really good. But... People, God, you know, inside us, working together is a key. And so I, do, I believe that probably this was one of the first times that uh, I've never felt so uh, isolated from the rest of the church. Right. And that's what it was designed for. I am positive the devil had other purposes in, as well. But this one, don't underestimate this one. To get us separated, divided, we can't talk to one another alone. And it didn't feel very good, did it? Matter of fact, sometimes right now it just feels good to be in this place live with other human beings, right? And I remember when people started coming back, right? <laughs> that was one thing. Man, it's just nice to be with other human beings. Matter of fact, we'd been in that live stream for a while. We didn't spend much time, well, uh, we didn't spend much time not meeting at all. Uh, we met outside a lot and stuff. But I remember one of the first times that we were back inside and I was... I was going, and I'm, I'm listening to the worship. I'm going, oh, man, that sounds, why do those guys sound so great today? Oh, my gosh, this is even better than you. This is power. This is amazing. Then I'm realizing, oh, I forgot. The other voices are in the room. That's why. I, that singing I'm hearing, it's not them. It's everybody else in the room. That's awesome, you know. I don't know how I, you know, didn't draw that conclusion, but when I caught it, it just caught me. Wow. Your voices count. So sing to the top of your lungs. You know what? It's so much better for the musicians and everybody. Notice that? Even when everybody sings, even if you don't sing so good, it drowns out by other person next to you. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I've been doing it for years. I don't sing very loudly next to my wife, though. She hears everything. But, but she's always up here, so it really doesn't matter, right? 1 Corinthians 12. 
12 to 26. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That's its glory. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Oh, I just like all of these phrases because people are so unique. And uh, I just think if we would pay more attention to it, we would see the uniqueness of everybody, how everybody has something to offer. Everybody has some spiritual gift, something they do, some talent, some ability, some business, some house, some uh, opportunity, something that's been given to them, something that they have. It's just glorious, this whole thing. And we all discovered it's just amazing how well we're able to fend for ourselves. And during this time, it's just been amazing for me to watch how well we fended for each other. Because there's always been something that somebody else had. Somewhere or another, we were able to figure it out, right? And, and of course, the, the warehouse during this time, which is just an expression of the whole thing, because we have everything you can imagine in there, donated by all these people, and then given out by all of our people to all the people that are in need. I mean, it's like the body of Christ in action, isn't it? Right? So God gave us this gift. So during the, this time, it's just been so amazing. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it should not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts <clears throat> that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Hmm. So that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now, I just think this is a glorious lifestyle, just all these verses that I, I've read here. It's just so important to have this understanding. Everybody's needed. Everybody's important. And I just think uh, some things are very simple with regard to this. You just need to hang around with people and then just kind of flow with them and then you kind of get the hang of this. I just think it's so important. So this is one kind of gathering. Smaller gatherings are another part like we mentioned earlier. We'll get more into that. But this box, body metaphor is functional. Proximity is the key that, that you're around so that people can know what you have and others could receive um, what you have and you could receive from others. And then there's this glorious passage in Ephesians chapter 4. And it's called the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And you would think if I say God wants to give the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, we're thinking of some kind of heavenly visitation where he shows up and raptures us. Or, 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 or maybe there's just this unusual glory in the air. Angels are dancing around. But look what he says about this whole measure. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. These are five major, we call them office gifts in the church to equip people for his works of service wait a minute i thought jesus equipped them yes jesus through other people and then jesus can equip them directly as well 
But usually it's through one of these, uh, these, these gifts, these five, and then all the other gifts as well. But these fives are kind of important because they, they're, they're, they also not only are themselves, but they equip people to do certain things. Like I'm equipping you right now by teaching, right? Yeah. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is how we get to know God. and become. So you don't become get to know God alone. You get to know God through other people, Amen. through services like this and small groups and Bible studies and prayer groups and so on and so forth. To the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to... All right, let me read this. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, we're ministering until... We become mature, attained to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wait a minute. Uh, the whole measure. You mean that's dependent on little old me? No. Little old you, 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 you. Right? All of us. And I've just watched this many, many times. How a person that I'm least suspecting would have a word or have some information or have something that contribute to a deep problem in the church all of a sudden shows up. Amen. And I tell you, that one person at a certain point where we're at makes all the difference in the world for how things flow, for gifting to be released in a certain way. We've come to a place where we need this, and all of a sudden the person that could do that shows up, right? And then produces little people after them, you know, all kinds of people after them, right? To help in that whole thing. But it's called the fullness of the measure of Christ. So, so when we get to know each other, we function as a church, function as a body, we get the whole measure. Interestingly enough, that word also is used in Ephesians 4.13. And I want to read this, Ephesians 4.13. So Christ himself <coughs> gave... Wait a minute. That's not what I want. I want Ephesians. I want to go. I just did that one. I want Ephesians 3, 14 and 19. Let me read my own outline. Listen to this. Okay. Keep in mind. Okay. What we're talking about is the this phrase, right? Which I think is pretty cool. How, how would you like the whole measure of the fullness of Christ around here? Whoo. What would that be like? Well, what did Jesus do? Whoa. Raising the dead. Salvation. Healing. Families reconciled. Wow. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I like that family part right there. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he says this, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, now this is a big one, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is one of the most powerful passages. Anything you could ever pray on a person. Anything you could ever pray on your children. I'm going to read it again just so you don't go too fast. <laughs> Thank you. Miss it. All right. Thank you. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. What an amazing thing. You mean I could grasp that depth of God's love? And if I grasp that depth of God's love, and I tell you what, the few overwhelming, no, there's not a few now, there's a lot more than a few, but the overwhelming supernatural occurrences that I've had with God, I mean supernatural, pure supernatural, 
I've wondered at prophetic words. I've been amazed at healing. I've been wondered how he arranged the financial situation. But I tell you, by far, every supernatural experience I've ever had with God, the love of God pouring into my heart has been the greatest one of all. It's an inner thing that we teach about all the time. And it's this supernatural love. Can you imagine? Don't you think about it. Because you can't grasp it mentally until you experience it spiritually. I'm not saying I've grasped all of it spiritually, but the little taste I got revolutionized my whole life, and I hunger after it every day. All the time, I want to be in this place. I pray, he's saying, this is my prayer for you, Paul says. You know, this is what I want for you. I want you to be rooted and established, so full of love, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to figure out, to actually experience, not just to grasp mentally, but actually experience how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that love personally that surpasses knowledge, that surpasses just knowing about God, but deep on a deep level, like Jesus knew the Father's love, right? That you may be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. I don't think it gets any better than that, does it? Okay, think about that. The measure of all the fullness of God, right? But if you look back, again... 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He appointed apostles, pastors, and teachers. So this whole measure of the fullness of Christ happens supernaturally with the love of God empowering the church, the people of God, who are working in the spirit of compassion and love and operating their spiritual gifts. And what we get is the fullness of Christ, the full measure of Jesus. So these people with skin on not only are appointed their position as apostles, evangelists, teachers, hospitality people, whatever they are, but they also are filled with something so supernatural, the Bible puts it in these the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The, it's, there's nothing more than that. It's, it spills out everywhere. It's, we're full and we're spilling out over everybody. I just think it's the most amazing revelation. And this is what is possible in the church. This is what is possible in the church. So... As we saw, there are key leadership gifts that equip people to release their gifts. We saw that in Romans, I mean Ephesians 4. He gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are five gifts amongst the many of the gifts. I think there's almost 30 or something, but of the five, these kind of help equip and, and make sure this whole process continues and that the church grows and multiplies and, and diversifies and, and su- support it in every possible and every kind of ministry begins to appear, right? So that's really important. And then there's these gift lists which actually give us some hint of, as to how the church individually uh, uh, supplies to the corporate vision uh, the different variety of things that could happen. And there's more than this, far more than this, but the Bible mentions a few of them, and I'll just read them, and you know about these, but I just think it's amazing, because, again, we see at the beginning here, verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So this is a supernatural, natural event. There are different kinds of service, but the, the same Lord. Now, even a gift like hospitality is one of the most powerful gifts I've ever seen. But it's fueled by the Lord servanthood, powerful gift, fueled by the Lord. Artistic expression of various kinds, powerful in the Lord, whether it's music or art or whatever. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. So if you're not hanging around the common, how are you going to get the good? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? No, I'm serious about this. I don't care 
how much money you have. I don't care how much experience you have. God makes you walk this life with some sort of gaping hole in you. <laughs> I mean, there's some need that you just cannot figure it out. Be a Renaissance man, Renaissance woman, but you will not be able to figure out some things on your own for your life. That's kind of disconcerting because our worldview as a culture is, you know, you can do everything, you know, be this every person, but you cannot. And then God purposely, he's so sneaky this way, he just leaves whole holes in your life. You know why? Because he wants somebody else from the body to fill it. <laughs> so then they minister, but you receive, but you receive in weakness and you don't become proud and arrogant, right? So the whole body stays humble and the God gives grace to who? The humble. So God with skin on fills these supernatural spaces. So our commitment to one another is so powerful. It's more important than the label we have or what we're famous for in the community, right? It's, it's, it's go to the most famous church around, you know, one of the famous churches we ever knew, most of us around, was just Anaheim Vineyard. You know? But we went week after week, you know, and there's thousands of other people, and great, you know, and everything. But then pretty soon you look around and say, man, I'm kind of lonely here. And you just got to find someone to meet, someone to fellowship, someone to connect with, right? Great, powerful churches exist. But I say, really, the huge definition of great, powerful churches is that they not only have an external anointing that gets the lost saved or attracts attention or blesses the community, but they have an internal anointing that actually builds people up and makes superheroes out of them. <laughs> really. Ordinary people, because everybody's a superhero. You just don't know it. They have something that they have that's precious, awesome in the Lord. So that's why it says there are different kinds of gifts, but, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and everything, everyone, it's the same God at work. What a beautiful passage. I mean, I, I love these passages so much. Just, just read them, reading them are like, like poetry. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one as he, just as He determines. Just as a body... Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. That's interesting, isn't it? A lot of people I've, I've seen through the years, I'm not an eye, I guess I don't belong in this place. I'm not an ear, I guess I don't belong to that place. He just says right here, you didn't stop belonging. Well, maybe there's another place, church, that maybe is more like you. That could happen. But my guess is, you just got to figure out what God's telling you to do, and then begin releasing your gift, and eventually God will hunt you down, find you out, and release you into His presence. Now, there's one little caveat i got to make there. <laughs> they actually got to be open to the Holy Spirit and love the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, so we don't like, like get 
half of the gifts axed out right at the get-go, right? Because you may have that gift, like gift of miracles, signs and wonders, you know, healing. Those are pretty super prophetic things. This is pretty supernatural. You wouldn't want to cut all those out, right? So you want to belong to a church that's a full opportunity employer. <laughs> Likes all the gifts, right? And we're, as best we can, and I tell you, I genuinely in my heart, I tell you, there are so many gifts that may not be as fancy as others, but I just so appreciate. You, my wife will tell you, I mean, uh, uh, gifts of service and helps, and just being good-hearted, kind to people, being willing to open your home for something. Or, oh, my these are so powerful. I just watch them all the time. And I appreciate the, the larger and more visible gifts as well. But these things are so powerful, you know. I think it's really powerful to say this. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. What body? Not just the general body, but it's got to be played out somewhere, somewhere practical, somewhere visible, somewhere uh, obvious. If they're all one part, where would the part, where would the body be? But as is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, "I don't need you," and the head cannot say to the feet, "I don't need you." On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with, treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And that's partly on us as leaders to recognize and to appreciate everybody's gift, every form, everything that people do. The more we do that together, the more we appreciate one another and their specific abilities, the more we're going to see a wider range of ability. And we're going to see powerful, powerful anointing uh, released on the church. Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. Let me read these verses. They're all wonderful, beautiful verses. Lord, we just thank you today for this revelation. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Okay, so grace grace. Did you know I've watched people with a gift of service and hospitality? Just those two gifts that might be more back to the back of the line in some people's mind. But they are some of the most majestic gifts. I've learned to appreciate them more than ever. And there's other gifts like that. Just the ability uh, to, to hang out with people at the end of a service and pray for them. Just to be available. Not rush out the door. Just People that do things that I, I just never could even do or uh, approximate. People that are patient with perhaps the mentally ill or people that are not doing so well financially. That's a gift. That's a hard one. I'm learning to grow in that. But I so appreciate others that have seem to have the patience of Job in that area because that's what it's going to take to get the average guy off the street. Yeah. Do you know what it's going to take to get the average guy off the street? Don't feed them more drugs. <laughs> Don't build shanties for them and call it good. You bring them in. You teach them step at a time. Somebody that's patient enough to help them along. They fall down. You brush them off. You get them back up. They fall down. You bring them back up. They fall down. <laughs> but eventually, they'll stand. That's something that we're proving right now. It doesn't make it any less painful sometimes. 
But for people who have the gifting, for whatever they are, for the joy set before them, they're able to endure this. Because maybe they were that person one day and somebody helped them get up ten times. Right? So this is the way Jesus does it. We wish he would just do his sovereignty. We revel in the sovereign stories of the guy that suddenly woke up and he was in a gutter and he became a self-made man. Those are one in a million. What usually happens is somebody helped that person become who they were, one step at a time, until finally they got to who they should be. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, I love that gift. There are people in this church, and I, I can look, you know, it's so funny, because I can just tell you right now who they are. I'm just looking at them right now. I won't point you out, but they're encouragers. If it's encouraging, I mean, every time you look at them, they have something nice to say. They encourage you about something, whether it's your shoes or the way you look or whether what you said last week or three weeks ago or how they appreciate you as a person, whatever, blah, 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 how they appreciate your kids, whatever it is. I love encouragers. God, I love encouragers. Bring all the encouragers. I love those. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement, especially in this day and time we're living in, right? If it is giving, then give generously. Whoa, I love those too. If it is to lead, then to lead diligently. I love those too. If it's to show mercy, wow, I really like those. Do it cheerfully. Oh, my. I think one of our names over our church is mercy, compassion. It's over the old vineyard. Matter of fact, two of the words that were spoken to us is the vineyard, as angels that actually fanned sort of the, the anointing over the vineyard. The vineyard churches in general was mercy and worship. Did I get that right? Compassion and worship? I got that right, right? Am I remembering that right, Kent? Okay, good. <laughs> okay. I just uh, love those two things so much. It's, it's not by accident. Be a longing part of this church, you'll like those two values as well, right? Look at Roman numeral four. The body of Christ gives special attention to the weak. So that's how Jesus did, didn't he? You just see Jesus and then he just did it, he implemented it in his church. And so that's why it's so important in our whole thing of why church. Because all of us are weak at one time or another, but the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, right? The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're indispensable for lots of reasons. One is they just have a need, but also when they get their need met, it glorifies God. Yes, Lord. See, Jesus stops by this person on the side of the road, right? And heals them. A blind guy heals them. Jesus forgives this person who had sinned. Say, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. They become the testimonies. They become the life. They cause God to be glorified. So, if we help the weak, God will be glorified in our ministry. It's, it's, we, that's why we give special attention. Jesus always did it, and we just act like Jesus. And so we see in these passages our job description and, and how it glorifies God. Isaiah 61, 1-3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. This is foreshadowing Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, by extension, you got Christ in your name, Christian, Right? He has sent me, us, all of us, to who? To bind up the brokenhearted. I think the ministry of Jesus is amazing. Sometimes we get all a little clouded. We, we see how Jesus did this and that and you know, walked on the water and everything. But do you ever notice how many times he just stopped to 
me with the weak, the one that wasn't approved, the one, the leper, the, the outcast, the woman, the widow, the, you just name it. It's just like the whole thing. And all of it brought glory to God. That's why he did it, right? Amen. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If he sent Jesus to do that, it's a prophetic passage. He sent you to do that, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. There it is again. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called, now look at this, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's why God likes the gifts to flow in this direction. He gives special attention to the weak because it glorifies God. And these people who have been redeemed like you and me in all the different ways we came to Christ and we got redeemed, guess what? What they do, this is what they do. They rebuild the ancient ruins. They restore the places long devastated. They were devastated so they know I'm going to go to the devastated because I knew where I was. Now I'm going to help somebody else. They will renew the ruined cities. They will, they, they have been, that have been devastated for generations. I mean, I just think this whole revelation is glorious. And we see it played out all the time, don't we? God gives special attention to this. And so we should, as the body of Christ, it's so important for us. It's not a should, it's actually our greatest pleasure. Because in these places, we see no less than the glory of God. This is where we see the supernatural. This is why every single day that we feed people out here in that tent, somebody gets saved. Usually five or six. Could you imagine that? That's been years now. Someone's getting saved. Five or six people get saved every single time we feed people. Three days a week. It's beginning to mount up a little bit. It's amazing. And they're often not the people that you would think, you know. Of course, if a person needs food, we would think they're in a certain economic place. But we are finding lots of different kinds of nationalities there who don't know their right hand from their left hand. And God brings them, and they get saved. This to the glory. It displays God's splendor when we do this. And of, I don't know. I've lost track. I can't have my reference here because I don't see Peggy. But if she were to hear, she would tell me, and I know this number is at least accurate. We've seen at least 60 people healed of cancer. You know why? Here's the biggest reason why. Because they can't afford fancy doctors. They can't have no, there's no, no medical program for them. So when they get healed, it's the most amazing thing. The doctor gives a pronouncement. We've seen this over and over and over again. Where do we see it? Out there. That's where we see it. Most of all, we see it in here too, but we see it out there the most. That's where he displays his splendor. And I mean, it's so ridiculous. I thought to myself, my gosh, I, I got to get that warehouse in here a little closer, you know, somehow or another. Well, I got it to the tent. So I just figure out how to get it in here so it's, right, see more. It's just, I'm, I'm kidding, but in a way, this is so incredibly true, isn't it? It displays his splendor. And, um, oh man, I tell you these verses. And then Psalm, uh, where am I at? I'm losing myself here. Psalm 68, 5 and 6. I love verses like this so much. I, I just, I love them. They're our glory. They're they're us. A father of the fathers, a defender of widows is God in his dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. 
A father to the fathers, a defender of widows. I want to be like that. How about you guys? Is God in his holy dwelling? What is his holy dwelling now? It's us, the temple. That's where he dwells. The body of Christ. We are his holy dwelling. So who do you think is the father of the fathers and a defender of widows? Us. We're God with skin on. That's what it was always intended. That's the way it is now. And God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. This setting the lonely in families is so incredibly important. Some sort of belonging, some sort of place. I'm telling you, part of that's on us to provide those structures as a church. Part of that's on you to find places. And we're always announcing situations. We're always announcing. Listen, here, let me give you a hint. If we ever announce something that's smaller than big church, then there's going to be that going on, right? Some smaller gathering. Even if they're playing tiddlywinks, it still happens. Because <laughs> they're spirit-filled tiddlywink people. <laughs> I'm serious. You wouldn't, I mean, because people are filled with the spirit, they just act differently. They do stuff differently. They could be playing golf. They could play anything. They could do it. But in other more serious settings where we have inner healing or, or thrive classes that we do or divorce recovery things or you name it, there's lists and lists. Just think this. Find a place where people meet in a smaller group and hang out there. And if you need healing, we have every kind of healing imaginable on the spectrum that is available for you. Physical healing, mental, emotional things. But the thing is, the great thing about it is there are smaller gatherings where you get more help, right? Because the body of Christ is supposed to give special attention to the weak, right? (laughs) The interesting thing is the weak and the strong sometimes change places. Have you ever noticed that? You might be strong at one point, but then you become weak because of some horrible tragedy or something that happens. You can be weak in two seconds. People who think they can't be weak and made weak in two uh, seconds are a very dangerous place. God gives grace to the humble. You have to understand, you can end up in a bad place so fast. I think think this COVID crisis has taught us a little about how fast you can end up in a very difficult place, right? And in that place, you need people. And sometimes, where you've been strong for a long time, and then you're weak, right? Then you're weak. Everybody visits those places. Sometimes, and Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 13 to 15. He's talking about, he says something really interesting. He says, Corinthians, you guys are wealthier now, so I'd like you to raise some money to help the Jews, because they're under a devastating uh problems and poverty, the Christian Jews in, in Israel. But then he says, but well, someday it may be in reverse. Your need may be something that they help you with. Financially, he was speaking. Isn't that interesting? You can read about that. Sometimes the strong and the weak, they change places. Could I just say, many times, the strong and the weak change places. Here's another one. Pride goes before a fall. Be careful how self-sustaining you think you are. I just, can I just say this with all my heart? Never think that you're, uh, you can sustain yourself. Never think that you can exist alone. You cannot. And if you're under the illusion you can, you're deceived because the body of Christ isn't put together that way. And the world is a very nasty place. You need friends, you need belonging, you need connection. This is a connection, and there are smaller connections. The two structures... This is a connection. 
You meet people randomly in here sometimes. Sometimes crazy things happen. You get worship or you're reminded of something. A testimony is given. Worship comes, whatever. But then there's the smaller places that are absolutely, absolutely critical. And our church look for things that are smaller, places you can belong, announcements that are given. And so Wednesday nights is one of those smaller places. But we have other smaller places as well that we announce from time to time. Maybe we'll talk more about that in our meeting afterward for anybody that's new. All right, so let's go to Roman numeral four, our last point. To live disconnected from a local church is just unwise. A man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he rages against all wise judgment. That's Proverbs 18.1, and I like the way the New King James Version puts that. He rages against all sound judgment. Jesus uses the body of Christ to protect, provide, and multiply. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, because powers, principalities, authorities in high places, right? 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert. The devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. Isn't that weird? I mean, I don't know. Unspiritual people are not aware of this, but think about this. The devil, and he's actually multiplied himself through multiple demons. He's actually always prowling. He never will stop prowling. You're never going to get in a situation where the devil stops prowling. He prowls constantly. He prowls around me, around you. doesn't matter. You can't arrive and be beyond his prowling. He's always looking for someone to devour, and occasionally he'll press his case and try to make you have a disaster. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So it's important. You have to understand, this is supernatural prowling. This isn't like a human prowler. This person is powerful. Powerful. So we have the power to resist him. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But sometimes that resistance has to take place corporately because you're not strong by yourself enough. And that's why God made the body. Then while the glory of it comes, we get together, we help one another, and this, this take, we become like, back and forth, we become like Jesus. We're strong and another person's weak. And then someday, well, we're, we were weak, but now we're strong and we help somebody else. And that's the way the whole thing flows. And pretty soon, out of all of this, guess what? The world gets reached. People get saved, and the glorious body of Christ just continues and continues and can, continues. We need allies and friends. One of the most powerful passages that I've just come to appreciate so much, it's just uh, it's, uh, nine, uh, it's uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. I just want to read these verses. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And by the way, uh, if you're married, that works to a certain extent, but you too are also one. So you need other married people. You need other families. You need other individuals, right? Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Oh, my. In the area of marriage, pity there's no one there to just say, hey, guys, why don't we talk this over for a while and pick them up, right? Then what happens? The whole family gets damaged and crushed if you don't catch it early enough, it's hard sometimes. But guess what? Pity one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What an amazing passage that is. I love this. these kind of passages. They just give us such a, a taste of uh, reality and uh, glory at the same time, don't they? So um, I'm just moving downtown toward the bottom of your outline. Many united, connected believers can experience blessing 
and much grace. I tell you, I, I love Psalm 133. As a matter of fact, if we look at Acts chapter 4, all the believers were one, they, heart and mind, and you can just feel the glory that was on them. But this Psalm 133 says it all. And this is the kind of glory that I'm hoping for in the church. And I hope you're hoping for as a, as a, as a corporate body. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Why is that? We don't have any divisions or separations. Everybody's looking out for one another. Unity means, oh, we're one. No, we have the same doctrine. No. You may have the same doctrine. But unity is far more than that. Unity is that we actually love one another. We look out for one another, right? It's like the precious oil poured on the beard, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, the high priest. It's, this is the highest, it's, it's, it's like the, if, if that has value, you know, this is, has value. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling down on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Well, where does the Lord bestow his blessing? Did you get that? When people live together in unity, that's where the Lord bestows his blessing. It's like oil, the oil comes out. I'll tell you, that's why it's so important to guard our relationships. In a family, it's the same. In a household, it's family. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? When there's unity, God pours the blessing. There's an anointing. It works. God will help you supernaturally, help you become supernaturally charged. And a church is the same way. But the unity is important. How do you get unity? We actually have to know the person next to you. You can belong to a large crowd. You can go to a huge conference or whatever. But the unity comes by, I, I give and take. I, I have to bend sometimes. Somebody does something that I don't like, but I, I stay with them anyway, right? And, and the same for me, and we all put up with one another, but in the putting up with one another, we also begin to respect and honor one another. And it gets tested, and it grows, and the unity produces this kind of blessing we're talking about. And I'll tell you what, that's the kind of blessing I'm looking to. How, how about you guys? Even that just beautiful description is, is so wonderful. Oh, man, I lost it. i got to read it again. That's so good, okay? Because look at this. Imagine this could happen. He doesn't say something that can't happen here. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Good and pleasant for all of us. Good and pleasant for the pastor. He likes that a lot. But for you and your family, your household, right down to the kids. Right down to the children. And could I underline children at this moment? It's important right now for the body of Christ to get together on how we're going to educate our kids. Where we go from here. The environment has become so virulent so horrible. We have to take possession of that now. That's why we have a school here. And that's why I think you're going to see Christian schools popping up in some form or another. We're kind of a homeschool school. We're a unique blend. It popped up overnight. We have 144 kids. Is that right, Amy? Uh, something like that. All the way from kindergarten to eighth grade, it happened like that. And I just found out, so I always obey my son. He says, we're going to high school too, Dad. I mean, he told me matter-of-factly, but when John says something matter-of-factly, he almost always has a plan that's almost always going to happen. So that's why I need another building over there, so you could be praying for that. I've seen it for a long time, but when he said it, it kind of jolted me, because I'm having a hard enough time coping with the eighth grade right now. <laughs> but it's important, right? God's people live together in unity, like... You know, kids too, families, all of us together, right? Um, Janice, why did I get off on all that? Where was I? No, I got through that already. 
Yeah, Psalm 133. Okay, how, okay, I'm back. I'm back. All right. So point E there on your outline, five. Smaller groups and larger public mat- uh, gatherings mo- provide multiplied opportunities for ministry. I'm going to say that again. Acts 2, 8, 1, 8, 1, 8. We read that already. How the Bible, the, Bi- the Bible, car- uh, they were all together in one place, Solomon's portico, but they also met from house to house, right? And so whether it's house to house or business to business or however you meet in smaller gatherings, it all works, right? We call that 2020 vision. But if you look at the last point, there's other examples of how we gather together in smaller gatherings. Like, for example, I thought that was interesting, food distribution amongst the disciples. I want you to read this to you because we do this, and we found out it's amazing because when you give away food and you have just a little service with it, it's a church in its own. It causes salvation. It causes healing, all kinds of things. That's one of the most wonderful things I've seen uh, in these last several years as we've been doing that, right? And so uh, so look at this. So they, they have a, a problem because there's a dissension between who should be fed and who's not and who's getting more and who's not. So they figure that out. But I just wanted to read at the end of it. So at the end of this food distribution where they solve their internal difficulties, they raise up new leaders to solve the problem. But look what happens at the end of it. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I just think that verse 7 is connected to the problem they solved internally so that they actually could not look over any group, but they could actually feed each other, right? Actually take care of people in need. That's connected to this verse, which I think is so, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So we see salvation every time we give away the food. But the food thing has got a little team. It's a little small group. It's got a few people that do that every single week. They're there every single week. They do the same thing. And there's this little body of people. Then they meet these other body people and they feed them, right? But there's life in it, right? And we've just seen so many people give their heart to Christ in that that crazy little gathering, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's just a beautiful thing. So let's point F on the very last part. I just want to call your attention, just these last scriptures, and we'll finish today. Just some dimensions of how we're connected and there's grace, okay? And we'll finish for today. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And by the way, almost all of these have their expression in some form or another in our church. Verses 1 and 2. Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you should, who, you who live by the Spirit should gently restore that person gently, but watch yourselves so you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So restoring people that have failed miserably is part of what the body of Christ does. If we don't function like the body, then those people fail and they're lost. And they don't recover, and they affect family lines for many, many years, right? So this is part of the way the body of Christ does it. Why church? Like, I'm telling you, the world can do a measure of this. but And, and it's difficult enough even for us to do, to restore people, especially to Christians. But if we're laboring to restore even Christian couples that are struggling, or families, how much more do you think the world's going to labor? Right? This is part of our job. If anyone does it, it's us, right? So we gently restore. We help heal. We carry each other burdens. We do. That's the, the, the beautiful vision of the body of Christ. 
James chapter 5. I'm just going to finish with this flurry. This is like the last part of this. It's like, like the, the fireworks show at the end, right? James, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> James chapter 5, verses 16 to 20. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you want to be healed physically? Then pray for each other and do it in this way. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Wow. Elijah was a human being even as we are. Are you kidding me? (laughs) He's not talking to a super-duper church. You know how I know? The Bible tells me. They had divisions, differences, fights. But God calls us like Elijah. Oh, Elijah just did a few little things. He prayed it wouldn't rain and didn't rain. <laughs> then he said, okay, it's going to rain. It rained. <laughs> Gosh. He's comparing us to Elijah. Anybody got the, that? So praying for one another that we may be healed, praying to each, praying to each other like that. We're, we're, we have this confession, sins to each other. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You're not just nobody. You're, we're everybody. It doesn't take like 15 of us. It doesn't take the pastor or a super-duper team. It just take one person praying for another is powerful and effective. That should teach us to grow together, to work together. If nothing else does, I don't even know. Hebrews 3, encourage one or daily. And I tell you, we need it daily. In the spirit of encouragement, Hebrews 10 has something similar. Proverbs 15:22 says there's wisdom with how many advisors? Many advisors. Sometimes you have difficult problems. You know, I've noticed this. This is amazing. Even business problems. So we pray over businesses all the time. You might not know the details of your business, right? But you know, just be like God just to give lowly me, who's not a business person, just a little bit of information for you. Or somebody else, maybe not necessarily a business person, but just say, hey, have you tried this? Hey, why don't you do this? Hey, if I were you, I'd stop that. Hey, you know, I've got a friend. You guys, business people, one of the proudest things that we do in here is our business prayer meeting. Last time I saw it, we had like 50 people on that crazy thing. You know what that whole thing's about? Bearing each other's burdens and praying for miracles and breakthroughs and supernaturally binding things that come to knock your block off. Right? So I think there's other forms we could do that. We don't have to have a Zoom to do that. We used to meet personally. Maybe we'll go back to that and have a Zoom. But I'm telling you, one thing that those guys have learned, gals have learned too, is just beautiful. We have a combination of businesswomen, businessmen. The thing is, they learn is they learn in business to be dependent. That's is hard because usually when we think about our business, we just go, okay, time out. I do my church over here, my business is over there. What a dumb thing to do. Do you think the body of Christ can't extend to your business? It could, heal. it could help my healing. It could help my wife. It could help my family, my household. But don't touch my business. Oh, really? Well, what's trying to knock the block off your business? Probably some demonic thing that doesn't want you to succeed. It's trying to ruin you, absolutely. Make you move the county. Make you leave the area. People have gotten their, knock block, their, block, their block knocked off. <laughs> okay, I think it's time to stop this sermon. But anyway get their block knocked off and then like they move away so of course the devil will never get you over there no he would not follow you he wouldn't do that and if that's the only reason why you're going there are other good reasons to move I'm not saying you shouldn't move God tells you to move you better move but if you move for no good reason 
He will find you there and do the same thing there that he did here. This might take a little more time. Then he'll set the trap. Boom. He who isolates himself quarrels against all sound wisdom. It's stupid, dumb, crazy. Find places to meet, whether it's women's ministry, men's ministry, the things we do, you have, we advertise them constantly. The issue is smaller, fewer. Intimacy, friendship, belonging, people that know your name can hear what you have to say. Healing rooms, prophetic rooms, prophetic ministry, you name it. Thrive ministry with all the things we do with inner healing and the beautiful way God comes there, all the different things. If it's smaller, find it. <laughs> if it fits a specific need that you have, it's awesome. Amen. Let's all stand. Why church? Why not? Praise you, Jesus. We're going to uh, have a place for anybody that's new to go out there and eat lunch with us. I know it's getting late, so we'll be getting to get our kids and everything. So I just want to just pray. I, I think what I'll do is... Um, we always do this, so uh, if you guys could come up a little bit and just do some worship, and I'm going to dismiss us in just a moment, okay? But <clears throat> always we leave room for this. So whatever we're going to do with regard to anybody that's new wants to eat with us, we'll be out here. You can go immediately. But before you go, or you people that are here, what you might want to do is you might want to just come up and just say, Lord, uh, I need to fix this. Just show me what I need to do. Show me how I could include others in my life. Show me how I can be more connected. Show me some space that I could go to that's smaller space in addition to the larger space. And then along with it, why don't you just pray over that particular need that that might represent, if any, and ask God to help you with that too. I have felt all day, this is a special thing uh, today. I mean, it's here all the time, but I feel a special. That's why during the intermission I prayed this. I just got a feeling about uh, people in, in two situations. One, housing. One, your job. And if you just take a moment today, maybe you could come up in the front if you like, or if you don't, in your seat. Just take a moment as they're worshiping. Just take a moment. Take five minutes. Just take a moment and say, God, here I am. Please help me. You might actually get a breakthrough just doing that simple thing. Another thing is, just even with the issue of how do I belong, just ask God, maybe in this next couple of minutes. God, like, where should I specifically kind of get involved? Where would be a good place for me to hang out? So sometimes when we say that, people think we mean like, give away your whole life 15 hours a week. No, 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 no. Like, just an hour here a week, two hours. Where, where do I connect? What? Just, just over here for a moment. might be in a prayer meeting, your favorite prayer meeting. It might be in a business gathering that we have. It might be a men's gathering, a women's gathering that we have. We have wonderful women's prayer meeting every Friday. We have a wonderful men's prayer meeting one uh, Saturday a month. That's coming up. Just anywhere, just listen. Just say, Lord, just help me to know where I can get connected, where I can just start. And then you just go from there. And if you're not, then another of us, uh, uh, many of you are really highly committed and fully involved with all kinds of things. Might be surprised. Business 
home housing situation. And the third thing is, where do they connect? Where's a better place to find friends, relationship, something they specifically need, some place where they can find to belong? In Jesus' name. So just pause on that for a moment. If you need to go right away, feel free. If you'd like to come up here and do that or sit in your seat, just be quiet as you go, okay? And then you that are going to be with us, meet up with the outside today, uh, come and gather with us, okay?